Good morning. One slight adjustment and I'll be ready. Where is that thing? Down below. Down below here. There's two of them. Never know which one I'm gonna pull. Well, I hope by now everybody knows it's a frosty Valentine's Day. Ooh, frosty only in that it is really cold outside. Like we're having really winter. And I have to tell you that I'm really excited about that. And I'm very excited that we have devoted this one day a year to the celebration of romantic love. So romantic love includes occasional candlelight dinners, bouquets of flowers, chocolate. I put a parenthesis, lots of chocolate, <laughs> and a Hallmark card or two. But of course, I think we all know that romantic love requires a bit more attention than just an annual celebration. In our romance, I have discovered that romantic love comes down to washing the dishes, picking up clothes, surrendering the TV remote, serving the first cup of coffee to my love, and even offering the last piece of chocolate. <laughs> romantic love grows out of a daily rhythm of discovering what another human being needs and doing your very best to provide for that need or that need, that need or needs. And I wanna suggest that romantic love grows best not from what we receive, but from what we give. Along with that, I wanna suggest that we give from what we receive. And that may seem contradictory. So I need to explain. We need more than the word love in our English speaking world uh, to really understand love. Sadly, we only have that one word love and we have to add adjectives. So today I've added romantic love so that I could communicate clearly to make it more specific. Adjectives added to nouns work most of the time, but there's another way to define love without adjectives attached. Fortunately, our faith grows out of, not the English speaking world, but out of both the Hebrew speaking and the Greek speaking world. And both of those languages are more specific when it comes to understanding love. Both have multiple words for the many dimensions of love. Greek has actually eight words uh, that describe the different aspects of love. The one that we're talking about, romantic love, is eros. It means romantic, passionate love. And I believe all of us long to experience that romantic, passionate love. Just think of the number of books <laughs> written, the number of movies produced that illustrate our search for eros. And what I want to explore this morning is that eros is that love that we're celebrating on Valentine's Day. And it's that love that grows not so much from receiving Eros love from another, but from giving Eros love to the other. And that the Eros love to another happens because we've actually received an agape love 
first from God, our creator, and Jesus, our savior. John, one of the first followers of Jesus, wrote these words. Beloved, let us love one another because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him in this love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, since God loved us so much, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is perfected in us. God, uh, John goes on to say, we love because God first loved us. Because God is love. When we're in a relationship with God, we are loved. And because God is love, he makes his, his, he makes his love known to us. For example, God demonstrates his love by sending Jesus into the world so that we can experience God's unconditional, no strings attached agape love. God's love, he loves us so much. I want to say that again. God loves us so much. And as he loves us, he longs for us to love one another. God is the initiator and he is the source of our love. And God's love for us and the love he wants us to love one another with is not a mystery. His love is described in one place by Paul in very practical ways. He says, love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. Love does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable. Or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. What I love to do with those words is personalize it, and that's what I want to do. I want to make this something personal between us and God. So it starts like this. God is patient with us so that we can learn to be patient with one another. God is kind to us so we can learn to be kind to one another. God is not envious, nor boastful, nor arrogant, nor rude with us so we can learn not to be envious or boastful or arrogant or rude toward one another. God does not insist on his own way so that we can learn not to insist on our own way. God is not irritable or resentful toward us, so we learn not to be irritable or resentful toward one another. God doesn't rejoice in our wrongdoing. He loves us through our wrongdoing. He rejoices in the truth when we come to our senses and we turn from that wrongdoing. God teaches us to love one another through our wrongdoing and to celebrate with one another when we turn away from doing wrong to doing truth. 
It's the love of God that bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. It's God's love that never ends. So as we receive God's love, we learn to love one another. If we stop receiving God's love, we stop loving one another. As long as we're the recipients of God's love, we have the capacity to love others. And I have to be honest, loving others, even though God loves me, is still challenging. I'm challenged to love my spouse. Most of you are surprised by that, because you know Susan. I'm challenged to love my children, and you may understand that a little bit. I'm not as challenged to love my grandkids. I'm challenged to love my neighbors. I'm challenged to love other followers of Jesus. And then it's amazing that we're, we're challenged to love our enemies. One way I can continue to face the challenges of loving others is to continue receiving God's love for me. His love provides the reserves I need to continue loving. Another way to continue loving when I face the challenges of loving others is to keep in mind the destruction caused to others when we stop loving. As I thought back over my life, I, I experienced the destruction of my mom and dad stopping loving one another. That resulted in a divorce. It was destructive to our family. So Paul writes these words. If I speak in the tongues of mortals and of angels, but do not have love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as I could move mountains, but I do not have love, I'm nothing. If I give away all my possessions, and if I hand over my body so that I may boast, but I do not have love, I gain nothing. Without love, those of us following Jesus become a loud and an irritating noise. No one listens to our message when we stop loving. Without love, those of us following Jesus, we are nothing. We have nothing to give to others without love. Without love, we gain nothing. We, we gain nothing from our faith in Jesus. There's no benefit from that faith in Jesus when we stop loving. And what, I mean, just think about it. What motivated Paul to write just even that thought, what, what would it be that would remove the love of God and love for one another from our lives? What creates a church without love? I want to go back to John's epistle in hopes of answering that question. He continues to write in chapter 4, God is love. And those who abide in love abide in God, and God abides in them. Love has been perfected among us in this way, 
that we may have boldness on the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not reached perfection in love. If I'm understanding John's words, he is saying the church, that is those who follow Jesus, will either reach perfection in love or remain imperfect in fear. The message and the mission of the church is completed by love, not by fear. If the message of the church is to fear a coming day of judgment, then the message is imperfect. It's a flawed message. It will not accomplish what God intends for it to accomplish. The message and the mission of the church from, comes from God, who is love, who invites us, his followers, into his love. And that love creates a boldness and a hope for the future. There's no fear of judgment because his love perfects us. His love completes us. His love casts out fear. So that raises another question. Is the church, in our, in our generation, is our church known for its love or for its fear? Sadly, I don't think we have to think about the answer to that question very long. In general, we are known more for our fear than for our love. Over the course of my lifetime, I have seen a church grow more and more fearful of our culture growing more secular and less Judeo-Christian. I've seen a church fearful of the sexual revolution. It started in the 1960s. It continues to today, and the church remains fearful. We're fearful of the other, whoever that other is, different than our per perceived preferences. We're fearful of Muslim. We're fearful of immigrants. We're fearful of the LGBTQ community. We're fearful of the communists or the socialists or whatever political thing we get fearful of. And in our fear, again, in general, when we fear, we're without love. Making a loud and irritating noise with nothing to give to others and receiving nothing from our faith. So if that is the state that we find ourselves in, what, what are we to do? Well, we have the season of Lent. Steve mentioned that in the beginning of our morning. And Lent is intended as a time to prepare us for all the benefits that come from the death and the resurrection of Jesus. 
what I would like to suggest we do is that we repent of our failure to stay on mission with our loving God. We've gotten off mission by serving other gods. And those other gods have demanded our loyalty. And they've also asked us to be fearful. I think we need to repent. We need to turn away from that and turn back to the God who is love and the God whose mission is completed through love. I also suggest that we prepare to receive the benefits of the cross and the resurrection by lamenting our loss. We have lost so much in the past year, but our losses come not just from last year. We have been accumulating loss year after year after year since the 1960s. And our loss needs to be acknowledged. The way you acknowledge loss is you lament together, you grieve together. So as we prepare to receive the benefits of the cross and the resurrection of Jesus, it's repentance that brings us to the cross. That's where we receive forgiveness. Lament brings us to the empty tomb. That's where we receive hope. Forgiveness and hope is what will get us back on track with the mission of the loving God, loving him and loving our generation. Remember, without love, we are nothing. My hope, my prayer, and I pray that our community and others will regain that love through the season of Lent. Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you hear the cry of our hearts? Would you perfect, complete the love of God in us? and between us. Holy Spirit, may we experience the love of God and love for one another to the point that we cast out our fears. Prepare us as we enter into the season of Lent. Prepare us for repentance, a turning away from our loyalty to other gods and a return to the true and loving God. Prepare us for lament. May we share our losses with you and with one another. Bring us to the cross to experience forgiveness. Bring us to the empty tomb to experience hope. Restore us, O oh God, to your mission in our world that we would become like Jesus in the transforming power of your presence and love in our lives and that we would become that message of a new world, a new beginning, your kingdom come. 